Daniel 12, 5 to 13, hear the word of the Lord. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days, but go your way till the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When we anticipate something wonderful, we ask how much longer Think of children waiting for Christmas, children waiting for their birthday, waiting for a trip to Disney World, or as some of us over these past weeks, waiting for the vacations to arrive so that we might go on vacation or have loved ones come visit us. How long do we have to wait until this wonderful thing happens? When we dread something terrible, we also ask the question, how much longer? Think of a, a final exam or the next round of chemotherapy, or a trip to the dentist. How much longer? Think of also when we're in the midst of suffering, we ask, how much longer? How much longer am I going to have to endure this suffering? Think of sickness, or grief, or unemployment. How much longer do I have to remain under this situation? In the second half of Daniel, we have read about a number of terrible things that are going to happen, and we've read of a number of wonderful things that are going to happen. And so as we get to the end of Daniel, we might be conflicted about whether we want time to speed up or whether we want time to slow down. But the question of timing is the question with which this book ends. And there's a conversation that goes on about the timing of these things. And that's the focus here. When will these happen? What will be the outcome of these things? Now, once again, Daniel, as it were, takes the microphone and he addresses us first person. And he says, I, Daniel. And he tells his story. So this is the conclusion here. He says, I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen. Now, who are these folks? 
Well, they're not identified clearly, but the man in linen, you may recall that we met him already back in chapter 10. In chapter 10, verses 4 to 6, we meet him. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river. So he's still, this is the end of that same vision, that final vision, the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and look, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And if you recall, we had trouble identifying that man when he showed up. Because on, on the one hand, he seems to have divine aspects. He seems to look like God, and the reaction of Daniel is as if he were addressing God, and yet he's described as a man, and he also seems to be in company with messengers, with angels. And so we had a bit of, of trouble identifying him, but at least we could identify that he is foreshadowing the time when God would become a man and walk among us and speak to us in the voice of a man. And then we have two others here, and by this time we're probably used to in this last vision, angelic messengers. So it looks like we have the man dressed in linen over the middle of the river somehow, and then on one side of the river, one of these, these others who showed up, and on the other side of the river, the other who showed up. And then, curiously, we, we see this in the last part of Daniel. Uh, Daniel simply says, someone, someone asked the question. Who asked the question? Well, probably one of these two, but he doesn't say. Someone asked a question. And what is that question? It's in verse 6. How long? How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? Does he want it to come soon? Does he want it to delay? We don't know the nature of why the question's asked, but we're all wondering because we've heard of a number of things. When will these things happening happen? And, and that's what really racks the brains of all the interpreters here. When will these things happen? In the second century before Christ, 70 A.D., at the end of all time, and that's, that's the difficult question. When will these things happen? And what are these things? Probably all these things that we read about in this last vision. When will they happen? And then he said, in verse 7, I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, and he did something extraordinary here. He raised his right hand, which is normal, but he also raised his left hand. It was normal to raise one's right hand when, when swearing an oath. But this is unprecedented. This is extraordinary. He raised his right hand and he raised his left hand to heaven as well. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever. We've heard that expression before. The last time we heard this was back in chapter 4, verse 34, when Nebuchadnezzar, once he had come to realize who God is, he's the one who declared him to be the God who lives forever and ever. You remember how people would go into the king's presence? What would they say? Oh, king, what? Live forever, but everybody knew he wasn't going to. And Nebuchadnezzar, who had heard that so many times directed to himself, then realized that there is a king, there is a God who lives forever and ever. So he raised his right hand, his left hand, to the one who lives forever and ever, and he swore. This also harkens back to Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, chapter 32, God identifies himself. 32, verse 39. God says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. 
For I lift my hand to heaven. Same kind of expression. I lift my hand to heaven and swear as I live forever. So here is God swearing. He's lifting his own hand to heaven. And he's swearing by whom? By himself. Because there's no greater one by whom God can swear. But here, in a similar action, this man, who has some, some aspects of, of being God and, and may well be a, a vision of a divine being, he raises not only his right but his left, and he swears. And then he gives the answer. Now, if my interpretation, as I've tried to present it uh, somewhat tentatively about this, these visions, if my interpretation is correct, these things go from the second century BC until the end of time. They cover that, that whole period. And the man gives a timing question. Actually, he gives two timing questions, but once again, both are ambiguous. And so here we have to scratch our heads and try to figure these out. The first answer to the question that he swore when he swore to the one who lives forever ever and ever, he said it would be for a time, times, and half a time. This is the second time we've heard that. A time, times, and half a time. Half a time. That's the formula we saw back in chapter 7, verse 25. And what is this? This is a truncated series. So a time is one, times is two. So now we're building, aren't we? And we're either building by adding or by multiplying. Okay? So one plus one, we get two. And then if we're adding, we get two plus one. What should we expect? Three. Okay? But that's not what we get. It's a, it's a series that starts to build, and then it's chopped off. Or maybe we're multiplying. So we get one times two, and you get what? Two. Everybody's afraid to answer, right? Don't want to get that wrong. Okay, one times two is two. Two times two is four. That would be even bigger. Okay? But, but whatever the series might be that's being built here, it gets chopped off very, very suddenly. And we saw that in chapter 7, and we see that once again. It will, it will look like it's going somewhere. It will look like it's developing in one direction. And all of a sudden, it'll be half a time. It's chopped off in midstream. And we've seen that a number of times. You remember Alexander the Great? That when he got to his power, what does it say? Boom, he was gone. All gone, no more. He's chopped off. It looks like he's building, and he was building very precipitously, very fast, and then he's gone. And so we've seen that throughout this. So that's the first answer. It'll be a time, times, and half a time, and it's cut off. So it looks like it will come to something of a sudden end. He also indicated another time indication that it would be after the shattering of the power of the holy people. Uh, he says here, time, time, and half a time, that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. But once again, that's, that's kind of hard to figure out too, because if you can look through history, how many times has the power of God's people of the Old Testament been shattered? Well, Nebuchadnezzar shattered it. Antiochus Epiphanes shattered it. Uh, the power of Rome shattered it. In, in our own more modern history, Hitler shattered it. But the, but the people, the ancient people of the Jews continue on to this day. And also, if you look at church history, and if you look at what's going on around the world, and if you look at the book of Revelation, what do you find? That, that the, the people of God, the New Testament people of God, believers in Jesus Christ, time and time again, also get their power gets shattered. 
It looks like they're going and developing and growing and then, and then get cut off and get, get shattered. So it's hard to figure out what will be the fulfillment here. But at the same time, we get the same sort of idea, going in one direction and then stopping and going in another direction. So after it looks like the end for the people of God, after it looks like they've been completely crushed, after it looks like they've been annihilated, then, then that's when God will act. Then that's when God, when God will bring the great reversal. Then that's when God will bring all things to a close. And we, we ought to expect something like that, shouldn't we? Because that's what he did at the cross. And at the resurrection, that's when that's when Israel, that's when the true Israel, Jesus Christ, was was crushed. That's when it looked like his power was over it. That's when it looked like he was was brought to an end. And then what happened three days later? What happened? Rose from the dead, the, the, the great reversal. And it looks like that's how God is going to operate when he brings all these things to pass as well. So that's that's the answer. How long? Well, a time, time, and half a time. And after the power of the people of God is shattered. And then Daniel didn't understand the answer. So we can, we can feel okay about ourselves because he didn't understand it. And he was there. He was in this conversation. He was listening to this conversation, this angelic conversation going on. And Daniel did not understand. He said, verse 8, I heard... But I did not understand. And we have seen Daniel being the wisest man in Babylon because of the insight that God had given him and the spirit that God had given him. So he said, I heard, but I did not understand. And so he asked a follow-up question. And it's a related question, but it's not the same question. That question was already answered, but now he has a, a follow-up question. It's related. And he said this, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? So not so much what's the timing of these things, how long, but what will be the end of these things? What will be the outcome of these things? And then it's interesting that at first, it looks like he didn't get an answer. We got an ambiguous answer to the first question, or two ambiguous answers, difficult for us to understand, difficult for Daniel to understand. And then it looked like, almost, like Daniel was being ignored here. He said, what will be the outcome? And what's the answer in verse 9? He said, go. Go your way, Daniel. That's the answer. What will be the outcome of these things? Go your way, Daniel. He told him to go. And, and, and just keep going. To go on his way. Now, Daniel was up in his 80s at this point. He was an old man. And he had outlasted probably most of his generation. That was quite old in those days. It's old today, up in his 80s. And the angel says to this old man, Go your way. You, you want to know what the outcome of this will be? Go your way, Daniel. Just, just keep going. Daniel, even though you're up in your 80s, go your way. Even though you're still in exile and far from the land in which you were born, the land of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, go your way, Daniel. Even though your people who have gone back to the land, who have returned from exile and are, are back in the land, are having a terrible time of it, Go, go your way, Daniel. E even though these, these terrible and wonderful things are going to happen in the future, go your way, Daniel. That's the outcome. That's the answer after all. You want to know the outcome? The outcome of all these things for you, Daniel? Do you want to know the outcome? The outcome is this. You go your way. 
And, and, and we've seen what Daniel's way was, haven't we? That's the great thing. We've seen, we've seen Daniel's character from chapter 1. And, and we've seen how no matter what happened, what did Daniel do? He went his way. No matter what the kings were doing, no matter what the kingdoms were doing, he went his way. And so this messenger says to Daniel, Daniel, just like, like you've always done this, just like you've always done this throughout your life, just keep doing that. Go your way. No matter how this plays out. That's his answer for Daniel. And that's, that's a message for us as well. What should we do? Go our way. Well, what's going to happen with the pandemic? Go your way. What's going to happen with the economy? Sure looks overheated. What's going to happen with the next presidential election? Who, who's going to run? What's going to happen with, with the, the conflicts between China and the United States and Taiwan and Australia and, and Russia? What's going to happen? You, you go your way. Go your way. This is the answer. This is the answer that he gave them. And we know what Daniel's way was. It was to be faithful to God. And he was told, even at the end of his life, just to keep doing what he was doing. Wendell Berry is an American essayist, novelist, poet, agrarian. Uh, he's a farmer as well. He writes about farming themes a lot of times. In his writing, he invented a little town, the town of Port William, Kentucky. And then he invented a bunch of people in that town, and then he wrote about those people's lives. And they're kind of ordinary lives, but they're fascinating reads. Just stories about these fictitious people that he invented. And one of those is a woman named Hannah Coulter. And Hannah Coulter was married to Nathan Coulter for over 50 years. They were from the area. They bought a small farm. They fixed it up. They farmed the farm. Their children went off and did various things. And Nathan started having some health problems after over 50 years of marriage. And so they went into town, into the physician. I think they had to go into a larger city to, to go to a physician and a specialist and get checked out. And, and the physician, they looked him over and they could tell that he was full of cancer. And they told him about all these terrible treatments that he was going to have to undergo. And Nathan thanked him kindly and left with his wife, Hannah, and went back to the house and picked up his newspaper and was reading his newspaper like he always did. But Hannah was at the, the counter. She was at the sink and she was working on some eggs. And she writes this. My tears were falling into the bowl of beaten eggs. And then my nose dripped into it. I flung the whole frothy mess into the sink. I said, well, what are you planning to do? Just die or what? I couldn't turn around. I heard him fold the paper. After a minute, he said, Dear Hannah, I'm going to live right on. Dying is none of my business. Dying will have to take care of itself. He came to me then, an old man, weakened and ill, with my Nathan looking out of his eyes. He held me for a long time, as if under a passing storm, and then the quiet came. I fixed some supper, and we ate. He lived right on. That's what the angel said to this other old man to do. And that's the lesson for us as well. What should we do, no matter what happens? Live right on. Go your way. Now, what's the reason for going his way? The, uh, the messenger tells Daniel that. Verse 9 
Go your way, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And we already knew that would happen because back in verse 4 from last week, we heard this, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And now he says, I told you to shut it up. You did what you were told to do. Now go your way, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. How is that, a, how is that an explanation? Go your way, because the words are shut up and sealed, preserved for the end. Well, it seems to indicate that Daniel didn't understand, and he wouldn't understand. And nobody would understand how it plays out until it plays out. We can have some ideas, but Daniel didn't understand. And it's likely that we are not going to understand all of this until we see it played out. I don't know if any of you are like mystery novels, mystery movies, mystery books, but that's how they work. They, they have all these details that are strewn through the book or strewn through the movie. And then, then you get to the end, you get to the, revolu uh, the, re the resolution, and then what happens? You say, oh, oh, that's why that note was found under the door. Oh, that's why that hairbrush was left there by the sink. Oh, that's why she said this. And all the details come rushing together, and you see how they fit. Go your way. You're not going to understand yet. But when it happens, you'll say, oh, that's what it all meant. Now, with regard to going one's way, there are basically two ways to go, and those two ways are laid out here. In verse 10, it says, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And so here we, we have two groups that are described, two ways to go. Go your way, but there are two ways to go, as it were. And one of those is the way of the wise, and one of those is the way of the wicked. So the wicked will eventually, I'm sorry, the wise will eventually understand. The wicked shall never understand. The wise will be purified and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. It's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say the wise will be completely perfect and the wicked will be wicked. On the contrary, what are the wise? What do they recognize about themselves? That they need to be purified. That's why they're wise. You see, it's, it's not a, uh, it's simply a moral contrast. The wicked are wicked and the wise are good. No, the wise are those who understand what they need. The wise are those who, who recognize that they need to be made white. They need to be made pure. They need to be made clean. And that's really, that's really the beginning of wisdom, the in the Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? Knowing who the Lord is, and then knowing who we are before the Lord, and knowing that we need from the Lord the cleansing that he gives us through Jesus Christ. That's the wise. The wise are those who know God. The wise are those who know themselves and how they can relate to God through the Savior whom God has sent. But the wicked, what about the wicked? They do what the wicked do. The wicked act wickedly. Now, in the end, this is one of the most frightening and sobering verses in Revelation. In the end, the, the seals will be broken. The books will be opened. There'll be no more mystery. And if you look at Revelation chapter 22, we find that the instruction that Daniel received, John received just the opposite instruction in Revelation 22 verse 10. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. 
And then it says this, very similar to what we just read in Daniel. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. You see, when it gets to the end, it looks like there's no turning from the way you've chosen now. That's why it's so important to choose the right way now. That's why it's so important to choose the wise way now, the way that recognizes who God is, who we are, and how we can relate to God through Jesus Christ. Because in the end, the instruction is, the evildoer, still going to do evil. The filthy, still going to be filthy. And those who have gone their way in righteousness and holiness through faith in Jesus Christ will keep doing what they have always done as well. Now, that sounds like a conclusion to a book, doesn't it? And then, then we get another timing question answered. And once again, it's difficult to understand. You get to verse 11, those who are wise shall understand the end. You would, it would be fitting, in my mind, for it to end right there. But then we get a final explanation. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. Now, here we have some new numbers. We haven't seen these numbers in this form. We have seen a time, times, and half a time, which if you turn those into years, a year, two years, and half a year, you sort of get close to the 1,290, but you're a month off. And then, it doesn't even say exactly what's going to happen. Apparently, the end's going to happen, but it says from this time of the regular burnt offering is taken away, the abomination that makes desolate is set up. We saw that that happened in the second century BC. We saw that Jesus said it happened once again in 70 AD, and maybe it'll happen again. But there'll be these two and a half years plus an extra month. Oh, and by the way, if you make it another month and a half, you're even more blessed. So there have been, as you can imagine, many, many efforts to make these line up with certain events. And none of these efforts have proved convincing in the end. And so what do we have here? Well, if we can put these together with the time, time, and half a times, if that's legitimate, well, it'll be a time, time, and half a time, and a little more. So go your way. It'll be a time, time, and half a time, and a little more. Oh, and by the way, it'll be a little more than that, and you're really blessed if you make it to the 1,335 days. And that's what it looks like. It's, it's, it's saying, here's the end, but actually, it's going to be a little more than that. Oh, and if you make it to even more than that, blessed are you. And that makes sense. In the context here, because in verse 13, what does he tell them? Again, what's the, what's the end? What's he say? Go your way. Go your way. A time times and half a time. Go your way. Oh, and a little bit more than that. 30 days more. Go your way. And, and 45 days more than that. Go, go your way. Go your way. 
until the end. And that's what's clarified here. Verse 13, go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Now, in fact, Daniel would not make it to the end of all the things predicted here. But Daniel did make it to his end. And, and that's the instruction. Go your way till the end. Which end? Well, whichever comes first. To the end of all things, to the fulfillment of all these things, or to your end. And it doesn't really matter to you, really, which those are, right? The, the outcome is the same. The upshot is the same. The practical implication is the same. Go your way till the end, your end, or the end of all things, whichever comes first. In keeping with the promised resurrection that we saw about last week, Daniel would take his stand. There's another, there's another instruction at the end, or actually comfort at the end. Go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand. You shall rest and you shall stand. If you die, if your end comes before the end of all things, you shall rest. But you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. I believe in the resurrection of the body. That's the message here. Now, Jesus told as you know, a number of parables. And Jesus also said things about the end. He said, he who perseveres to the end will be saved. And he told about the things that were coming. And some of those things would come within the lifetimes of those who were hearing. And some of those things haven't come yet. But after, in Matthew 24, Jesus told about the end of the temple in 70 AD and and apparently the end of all things, when he comes again, he told three parables back to back. And they all had the same sort of idea. One was the parable of the wise servant, whom the master put in charge of all his possessions. And he said, blessed is that servant who is doing what his master told him to do when the master returns. And then there's the parable of the, the virgins, they were waiting for the, the groom to come back. But guess what? He took a long time. And some of the virgin, virgins were prepared. They had oil for their lamps. And the other virgins were not prepared. And so the idea there is, no matter how long he delays, if it's a time, time, or half a time, or if it's, if it's 1,290 days, if it's, if it's another 45 days, whatever it might be, be ready. So that when he comes, he can go into that banquet hall. And then there's a final one about the talents. The talents, that was a, a measure of, of money. The talent was a whole lot of money. And the master left different amounts of money to his various servants. And some of those took that money and they put it to work. They put it to work to make money for the master. But one of them was afraid. And he buried it in the ground. And the point is the same. What are you going to be doing? You're not just going to be waiting. You're going to be investing. Investing in the kingdom of God so that when he comes, you have something to show for it. Go your way. Just keep on living. 
but keep on living in the way that, that we're being called to live by the king who has established his kingdom and has assigned places to each one of us and say and says to us, I will be back. In the meantime, go on living. Go your way. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that we come to the end of a, what has been a complicated, sometimes confusing book, and we have a very, very simple call to go on the way, to walk in the way that you have called us in Jesus Christ. And I pray for us as we enter into this new week, as we enter into this new year, not knowing what will happen to us a minute from now, that no matter what comes, that we would go our way and that our way would be the way of the wise, knowing you, knowing ourselves, and knowing that Jesus Christ is the only mediator that brings us together. Lord, I pray that no matter when our days end or when all days end, that when that day comes, that you would find us faithful, going our way in the way of Jesus Christ. We pray in his name.